The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh boy, so I love the coaching carousel. It's one of my favorite things about the NBA is... uh, really that kind of level of chaos and happening before the carnival is even over yet. I'm not talking about Ime Udoka rumors to Houston either, which have him linked to Houston for the last couple of weeks. I am talking about one of the most respected names in the NBA, widely considered a top five coach in the league and one of the best coaches in in history, probably. What he did for the 2019 Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard pretty remarkable Nick Nurse. This was a little bit of a shit show of a year. We interviewed him before the season started. It was a lot of hearts and flowers. Everybody thought this team was going to be pretty good. Pascal Siakam had a career year. OG Ananobi was really good. Fred Van Fleet was really good. Yeah, Gary Trent Jr., not so much. But listen, did anybody think that there would be this much dysfunction to the point where people are starting to check in on Nick's status? For the following few years while he's sitting there under contract? No. No. It went off the rails really before it ever started. So they had a weak start. You had injuries to Pascal Siakam. You had injuries to Scotty Barnes. You had injuries to OG Ananobi. And that pretty much set them back, and they've been scrambling ever since, hovering around the 500 mark. As the struggles deepened, grumblings about unhappy players, started to arise, make their way out of Toronto, which is a very hush-hush organization, by the way. So when rumors start to get out, you know it's not good. OG Ananobi, Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, even Scotty Barnes at times seemed to have tuned Nick Nurse out after bad loss, after bad loss, started to stack up. And also, what was going on at the trade deadline? Every player was rumored to be on the chopping block. And for the first time ever, after trading no one, and trading for Jakob Bertel, Nick Nurse may possibly be on the hot seat, which some of these NBA insiders have predicted since the offseason. I might imagine shout out to Jake Fisher, who did see this coming. 
For the first time in Nick Nurse's career as an NBA head coach, he's had to address these rumors. Let's just say, after hearing what he said last night, I'm not so sure he's going to be around there for long. Here's what he said. I think when this season gets done, um, you know, we'll evaluate everything. And and even personally, like, I'm going to take a few weeks to to see where I'm at. You know, like you said, where's my head at? And just see how the relationship with the organization is and everything. It's been 10 years for me now which is a pretty good run. Right now, my head is to get this and make this as long a season as possible. This, this team needs playoff experience, right? So um, that is where I'm at right now. more about that? Did you, for whatever the reason, you might not be back next year? No, I, I think that I'm concentrated on this, this job for sure and this game, essentially, but I think that I think 10 years is a good time to sit back and reflect a little bit, right? So I think that's where we're going. We'll do that all when the season ends. Oh, boy. Doesn't it sound like there's a possibility? When when you hear someone say 10 years is a good time to sit back and reflect, uh, they're already reflecting, baby. They are already starting to get their uh, tickets to Cancun or Cabo or wherever they're going to do. Some thinking, some deep thought, maybe a monastery in Quebec. I don't know. He has one year left on his deal. Has not been offered an extension yet that we know about. And damn, it looks like his five years as Dwayne Casey's assistant and five years as head coach in Toronto just might be coming to a close. Eric Kareen of The Athletic, he summed it up best when he wrote this. In no way is Nurse the primary problem with the Raptors. However, when a coach calls out his team effort and energy as many times as he has this year and the results continue to be fairly poor, it's clear something is wrong. Really, many things are wrong. Barring a surprisingly positive end to this Raptor season, a coaching change seems more likely than not. God damn. Sheesh. I love some Nick Nurse. I do. He's one of my all-time favorite coaches and people in the league. Very insightful, as you can see even from his interview. Very thoughtful. People have linked him to Houston. But I tell you what, if you don't want a coach in Toronto because young guys are doing dumb shit and they're tuning you out, I promise you, (laughs) you don't have the energy for Houston, my guy. No, you don't. You don't have any, we talk about bad roads, six-lane highways, back-to-back traffic. You go from Toronto, Canada, one of the most progressive cities in the NBA, to a full-blown red state with crazy traffic, and young guys who just want to chuck all day like AAU players? Fuck no. Absolutely fucking not. One thing is for sure, if he wants to coach, he can coach. He's not going to be out, out of a job for long. Probably would win another chip again. Just not in Toronto, baby. Just not in Toronto. Uh, Let's move on to LeBron James. This is a cute story. This is really sweet. I saw this and I said, we got to talk about this on the show. LeBron James just opened a Starbucks. That's not really news in itself. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure he has lots of businesses. I think he owns a Blaze Pizza in Los Angeles as well. 
He has a ton of fingers and a ton of businesses, most of them uh, pretty damn successful. So why is this Starbucks story news? Because he opened it in Akron, Ohio, his hometown. And not only did he open the Starbucks in Akron, it's being opened in a part of town where Starbucks never, ever, ever opened. The hood. You ever, see, you ever go to the hood and see a Starbucks? You ever go to the hood and see a Whole Foods? Fuck no. That's kind of like the correlating factor. No Starbucks around? Get out. Move on. Like if you're a newcomer or you're a tourist, don't be in that neighborhood. This is not a suburb. It's not a gentrified part of downtown. It is across the street from two boarded up buildings. So why did LeBron James open it here? If you have to ask, you probably don't know LeBron James well enough. The simple answer is because LeBron James wants to transform his hometown. The, the truth is, the simple answer is that he loves his hometown and he wants to build. The more complex answer is because LeBron James thinks that these people deserve a Starbucks. <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of the fact that it's like a very YT <laughs> like piece of luxury. <laughs> <laughs> like there's more important things probably to open up in in, a, in the hood. I remember I did a piece in Atlanta and they said, uh, and I, I'm not banging on LeBron James for doing this. I think it's great and we're get, we'll get to it. But there's a side road I didn't anticipate. I remember I did a piece in Atlanta about uh, gentrification near the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And they said when when white people give their advice on how we fix our neighborhood, they always say a coffee shop. <laughs> and really what we need is a laundromat and like a place where you can get money to be loaned until your next paycheck. So I do think it's like a little funny. Anyway, that's just a side. That's just honestly a side note because there's more to it than the Starbucks. More importantly, it's two blocks down from where the I Promise School was that he opened, which if you don't know about that, we've done pieces on it. It's incredible job training, school training, job training for the parents of the kids who go to the school. But there are 46 workers there not being paid just an hourly salary, but at this Starbucks also earning valuable job training certificates for the hospitality industry. So it's basically like a vocational technical credit for working at Starbucks. Who doesn't want to be a barista? Get the fuck out of the hood. Just go to another Starbucks <laughs> somewhere else. Anyway, typical LeBron James. Not looking to just create jobs, but also create careers. You can make fun of him for his corny takes. You can make fun of him for lying incessantly about things that are very easy to disprove. But I don't know if anyone in the league does more good with his money than LeBron. The building that houses the Starbucks is also going to become a complex by 2024, containing a sports bar, a wine room, even a LeBron James museum, with a full-size recreation of his Spring Hill apartment 602 where he grew up in Akron with his mom. It's going to have an ice cream shop, a clothing store, and a concert venue. And of course, because LeBron James loves himself some Taco Tuesdays, there's always also going to be a taco shop only open on Tuesdays. Just kidding. Um, this is not groundbreaking news, especially, uh, you know, for people who see these sort of developments go up, but it is pretty groundbreaking if you live in Akron. These sort of multi-use places being built in a neighborhood that's not really being shepherded 
or invested in is going to create long-lasting change. LeBron James did this in parts of downtown Cleveland when he was a, a, a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Multiple juice bars that he opened. More white, more white tea things, really. Fitness studios. <laughs> but it worked. It worked. Uh, lots of players talk about giving back, which to most players means just hosting a basketball camp, giving away some T-shirts, giving away some shoes. But he is literally rebuilding his town brick by brick. I would not be surprised if LeBron James opened up the LeBron James Apartments. LeBron James Apartment Complex. LeBron James already has a school. He's got a Starbucks. He's got an ice cream store. He's got a taco shop. We're going to keep an eye on this. One day down the road, I'm going to have to come visit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move on to something that's not really news, but I want to talk about it anyway. Who, if you had to guess, is the least popular NBA coach of all time? If you give an answer to anyone other than George Carl, you are wrong. He has probably the most disliked coach in NBA history. That's not a hyperbole. That is fact. Do not take my word for it. Ask our guy. J.R. Smith. This is what he had to say about his time playing in Denver. He said, how do I put this? George Carl wasn't uh, wasn't the coach I thought he was. When I first got there, I'm thinking he's a player's coach. I didn't even know him. By the time I was gone, I was like, if I never see this dude again, I am good. There are certain people you vibe with and certain people you don't. I get that. But then there are certain people who just throw salt into the pot just because they want to. You know what I'm saying? Just to see what the outcome is. I don't like stuff like that. I feel a lot of what DeMarcus and a lot of other players are saying. He's not the easiest person to deal with. There's many players other than J.R. Smith that have decided to come over the top rope on George Carl. DeMarcus Cousins, of course, long-running beef with George Carl. He tweeted out in response to Cousins' taking shots at the Kings organization by asking what DeMarcus Cousins ever did for them. They paid you $50 million and gave you the opportunity to play professional basketball. Sir, George Carl, do you know that that DeMarcus Cousins at one point was one of the most dominant big men in the game? Everyone wanted DeMarcus Cousins. They didn't give him an opportunity to play fucking basketball. I hate to tell you, George Carl, a whole lot of other teams would have been happy to pay Boogie Cousins as well. Don't act like Sacramento did some sort of favor to DeMarcus Cousins. He had seven coaches in seven years there. And, of course, DeMarcus Cousins, who is great. I love him. Boogie. He tweeted a snake emoji as his description of George Carl. So he seems to be beefing with everyone, George Carl. He said also, Doc Rivers, we talked about this before two weeks ago, that Doc Rivers had been anointed as a black coach. And now there's going to be four or five more anointments of the young Afro-American coach. Don't say Afro-American. Please don't. That's cringe. Don't do that. As if that's some sort of bad thing for coaches, uh, I don't know, to represent the, the players, the, the labor base they have that's largely black and brown. I don't know. It seems like former players kind of make sense to me. 
Yeah. He also took a lot of unnecessary shots at Nuggets players. He, uh, whatever for whatever reason, decided to to say that Kenyon Martin had all that money and no father. It's fucked up. Carmelo's dad died when he was two years old. Kenyon was raised by his mom and sister, and he says that those two are his father figures. So I, I don't I don't know. Kenyon Martin, you already know he's not about this. He said he was an awful and coward-ass coach, a terrible person, selfish, unhappy, miserable, the worst coach that he ever played for. Jesus. I met Kenyon Martin in Cincinnati a couple weeks ago, and let me say, that is probably the censored version of what he would say behind George Carl's back without the media there to take note and to record it. The list of former players who have zero good things to say about George Carl, the list is long. Uh, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Chauncey Billups, numerous others. And George Carl still, for some reason, still tweeting about current players like John Morant. 1950s takes on John Morant. If you know, you know. When you make a list of most or least popular NBA coaches, George Carl is literally the Khaleesi of, of that list. No one is as unpopular as him. Not, not, not a chance, and I don't think anybody will ever make that list. Also, fun fact, George Carl accidentally spit on me in a uh, basketball clinic. I was sitting front row, and he just loogied all over me and didn't say a goddamn word. So I personally don't like George Carl either.